0: Hi, I'm Jake, your podcast producer here at New Hope, and I'd like to invite you to join us with her in a new show. It's called What Do I Say? And it's hosted by Pastor Ryan. He seeks to answer just that question. What do I say when I'm dealing with these issues? Whether that's homosexuality, the problem of good and evil, or does God exist? We invite you to listen along to today's episode. It's a good one.
1: Hello, and welcome to the podcast show called What Do I Say? My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor at New Hope Church in Adele, Iowa, and I want to thank you for listening. As a reminder, the goal of this podcast is to apply the timeless truths of the Bible to the timely topics that we face today. More than ever, we need to be equipped as followers of Jesus to be able to respond to the pressing questions of the day. We need to be able to, to build a clear, theologically accurate foundation for faith in Jesus in a culture that is increasingly anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. If you have questions uh, or would like to engage outside of this podcast uh, on the topic for today or, or any other topic for that matter, I would encourage you to do so. I would love to hear from you. And you can reach me at ryan at newhopeadel.org. Well, today's topic is going to be an interesting one. Yes, it is. And we're going to jump in and, uh, and do it all in one podcast episode here. But here's our question for this episode. What do I say about transgenderism? You know, in my interactions with people, there's a lot of confusion about this topic. I mean, for generations past, a person was considered male. In other words, they had the XY chromosome Mm -hmm. or or female for that matter, the XX chromosome. And, And the idea of differentiating between sex and gender was a foreign concept. They were one and the same and they were aligned. But today that's changing. It's all much more fluid. In fact, there's an explosion of gender options that people are free and encouraged to choose from. In fact, let me give you an example. You might find this incredible, but if you go today to create a Facebook account and you put in your information about yourself, you have 58 gender options on Facebook that you can pick from to identify as. And just in case a new one is missed and you are provided by Facebook a none of the above option in case 58 isn't enough, more than that, in addition to choosing from all these different gender options, you can also select up to 10 gender combinations to create your own custom, if you will, gender combo that you believe best identifies with who you are. Wow. How did we get to a place where Facebook and then all of pop culture that's around us is taking this on and even embracing it. And if this is a question you're asking right now, I'm really glad you're listening to this podcast episode. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack this topic just a little to help us better understand what's going on. And we're going to look at what the Bible says about this, as well as how we can and should respond. So let's get started. And this is a complex topic. It's in currently, it's impacting an increasing number of lives and because it's impacting people, I just want to say on the front end that although we're going to be talking about different ideas and trends, if you will, on this, this topic, we got to always remember that this is about people mm-hmm. and we got to address this with grace and love and thoughtful conviction. So here's where I want to begin. I want to begin by unpacking and understanding two important terms. Biological sex and gender identity. So let me give a definition for each one of them. First, biological sex. This refers to the physical parts of your body that we think of as either male or female. And then gender identity is how you in your head define and understand your gender based on the options that you know to exist. Now, as I've already mentioned, for, for most of time, up until recently, sex and gender was considered to be aligned. In other words, one in the same. If you are biologically female, then your gender is the same expressed as feminine. And if you are biologically male, then your gender is, is male and, and expressed as masculine. But again, these concepts are quickly being changed. So here's what we need to do first. We need to unpack each of these terms to see how they're being changed. Now, I want to give credit for this next part of the podcast, a book called Mama Bear Apologetics, Guide to Sexuality, Empowering Your Kids to Understand and Live Out God's Design. It's written by Hilary Morgan Ferrer, I think is how you pronounce the last name, and uh, Amy Davison. Uh, this book did a good job uh, for me to help me better understand these concepts, and, and that might be a resource that you'd want to check out on your own.
0: What uh, other types this. of topics does the book kind of handle?
1: It goes into all kinds of things regarding sexuality, including homosexuality, including um, boy, any number of of different uh, topics, uh, gender expression, marriage, uh, sexual agendas that are going on today, uh, sex Mm. education things going on in public schools. There's a lot.
0: That sounds like a good resource.
1: It really is. One part of the book, and really just a small part, is addressing what we're talking about today. Gender identity. Let's talk about this first. In fact, those of you who are listening, you can push pause or maybe grab your phone right now and pull it up on your own. But I want to challenge you. Go to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and I want you to look up the word identity. Because here's what you're going to find. I'll just tell you what you're going to find, but check it out on your own, too. There's two different definitions. The first one is this, the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. The second definition is this, the relation established by psychological identification. Okay, did you catch that? In other words, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary today, your psychological state can determine how you identify something. In other words, let's use an example. If I feel worthless, then according to Webster, I'm justified in holding the view I am worthless. Again, your psychological identification or perspective defines Identity and the reality of that identity.
0: So it's not I think therefore I am. It's what I think I am. I am
1: It allows that to be the case Wow and you can see already how dangerous that is because our emotions can and do deceive us all the time Mm -hmm. all of us We, We feel certain ways that skew how things really are. I feel ugly I feel like God is distant my perspective is that things will never work out. Mm -hmm. See, our emotions are real and they're powerful, but they don't always align with reality. We need to be very careful. So when we allow this to come into how we think about things like identity, it becomes much easier today for gender and gender identity to be allowed to be defined by your preferences. See, it's no longer about objective reality. For example... My gender corresponds with my biology, but it's about subjective preference. Now, if you're hearing this and you're like, ah, that makes no sense. Like that seems illogical. Well, I, in fact, I think it is illogical. Let Mm -hmm. me give you an example from philosophy. There is a law of logic called the law of identity. And here's what the law simply says. A thing is itself and not something else. Let me give you an example. An apple is an apple, and not, at the same time and the same respect, a bicycle. That's, that's logical. That's what we would say. But when gender, gender identity is set by preference, then the apple, were it conscious, can decide it is an orange even though it retains all of its apple parts. That's why it feels illogical. But this is what's happening today regarding gender identity. But wait, there's more. Let's talk about that second term, biological sex. See, today, biological sex is also being redefined. Let me give you an example. Curriculum today that's taught in many school systems around the country, and I actually want to encourage you, look it up for yourselves and read about it. It's called the Safe Zone Project. I think it's even safezoneproject.com, but but Google it, you'll find it. The Safe Zone Project. And it defines biological sex as, quote, the physical traits you were born or develop, here's the key, that we think of as sex characteristics and the sex you were assigned at birth. Now, I know that sounds maybe innocent enough, but we need to think critically about what's going on here. And, and, and let me just re-emphasize, re, um, this is not just a random organization or website. This is sex ed curriculum that is embraced and taught in many public schools around the country, even in the elementary school ages. So what do you notice about this definition? Well, notice this. First, the physical parts, biologically speaking now, that you have are only, quote, what we think of as sex characteristics, not what actually is the evidence of male or female. Now, this is important because how we think of this can adjust and change. It gives you that that escape clause, if you will, to be Mm -hmm. able to adjust and change that, right? Or the other part of the definition, biological sex as assigned. Well, good night. It's not like, the baby is born and the doctor flips a quarter to decide right. male or female. It, it doesn't work that well. It worked that way. Excuse me. And here's the thing. If sex is assigned, then it's easy to reassign it. Mm-hmm. So what's going on here? This is trying to knock down biology, biological sex as binary. As two options, male and female. And remove it from objective reality. See, unless there's an abnormality, which, by the way, can happen, and it does happen, mm-hmm. that, that, is, that is a real thing, the method of determining biological sex, frankly, has been historically pretty reliable.
0: Very reliable. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. See, here's the point. Our physical bodies are objective reality. And second, that men and women, now physically and more than that frankly, but physically is what we're talking about right now, men and women are different all the way down to the cellular level. But again, all this idea is under attack today. You are free to pick how you want your sex and gender to de- to be defined and none of this needs to match. Lot to take in. Yeah. Let's transition so what does the Bible say about all this? We need to know and have from, from Scripture uh, to, to know what, what, what God has to say about this. I want to share with you a couple of verses uh, that I think are helpful. Uh, the first and clearest passage is from Jesus. He says this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. At the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. Mm-hmm. Now Jesus is actually quoting partially and then referencing Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, which says, "So God created mankind in His own image, in the image of God, He created them male and female, He created them. So what we see here in two passages is the Bible clearly presents gender as a binary, to use that term again, male and female. And each gender reflects the image of God. Mm -hmm. Both are important. Both matter. And let me say this too. The attack that is going on today on gender and as we're going to talk about in a little bit, the transgender movement is an attack on the glory of God and the image of God that he's placed into man Mm -hmm. and woman.
0: It goes directly against his truth.
1: It does. Another verse that loosely pertains to this topic, and this will be the last verse because there's not a lot more that says about this topic, is from Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. What this verse says is uh, is this. It says, a man must not wear men's clothing, nor, excuse me, a woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing, for the Lord your God Detests anyone who does this. Now, th- this one again—it it loosely connects. The-, the reason why I share this is, is we're going to talk in in just a moment here about gender expression and what that looks like and means. And there, or, what you're gonna, we're going to talk about is how there's freedom in gender expression
0: mm-hmm.
1: as long as from this verse now, a person isn't trying to make other people believe something that isn't true. Mm-hmm. In other words, a boy trying to convince uh, others that he's a girl or right. vice versa.
0: And now we wouldn't take Deuteronomy as still law that would apply to us today, but the principles from the God who inspired that are still very much applicable today.
1: Yes. Yes. Now with that being the extent of Mm -hmm. transgenderism, of of the scriptures that we could grab a hold of, uh, there is the argument out there, and I've heard it, maybe you have too. And the argument is, well, the Bible doesn't specifically condemn Mm -hmm. transgenderism. And that's true. There is no verse you can go to that specifically takes on this topic. But this is important to to remember. And, And in past topics, we've said the same thing. But just because the Bible doesn't speak against this specific topic is not an endorsement of it. You can't extrapolate that far. After all, there are no Bible verses that talks explicitly about gun violence, anorexia, or waterboarding. I mean, mm-hmm. There's all kinds of current event types of scenarios that come up that the Scripture isn't specifically going to talk through, but there's principles that help us navigate through all those situations. So let's bring bring sort of this into conclusion here in a summary. It's this idea that when we read scripture, we see that God's by God's design, there are two genders and only two genders, and we should live according to our gender though. How this is expressed has freedom, Mm -hmm. which is probably a great segue to talk about that for just a minute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Explain a little bit more what you mean about gender expression. How is that different from gender identity?
1: Yes. Let me phrase that as another question. What does it mean to be male or female? Okay. And then how is that expressed? Now, this is, this is frankly a huge topic and probably one for another episode of this podcast. There is confusion out there about this for sure. And so I just want to mention a couple of things because it does connect to our topic today. First is this, that, that every culture has social stereotypes about gender. We, mm-hmm. we just do. We we, we we wrap definitions or expectations around what does it mean to be masculine or what does it mean to be feminine? And on one hand, these aren't necessarily wrong. Like, for example, if you go to uh, Target and you walk to the toy section and you walk down the toy aisle, uh, the boy toy aisle of Target, it looks very different than the girl toy aisle. Mm-hmm. I mean, just what's there is completely different. And that was the case when I was young. It was the case today. And it's going to be the case tomorrow that the toys that boys are interested in, G.I. Joe and Star Wars or whatever, the girl aisle tends to look different. Mm -hmm. That's always sort of been the case. And so it isn't that the stereotypes about gender are always wrong, Mm -hmm. but they're there. For sure. Now, we create this um, by observation of cultural norms. And so you hear things like, well, men, they're supposed to be uh, strong-willed and athletic and a leader, uh, a builder or protector. We have these adjectives that describe what men are supposed to be like. And women are supposed to be uh, empathetic and sensitive, caring, kind, and supportive. The list can go on. And so we create these categories, if you will, about what does it mean to be male or female and then how to express that. Now, here's the key. Men and women are different. But drawing hard boundaries around what is masculine or feminine is difficult. Mm -hmm. Take the the stereotypes I just gave. Frankly, I have a daughter who is very strong-willed, athletic, and feminine. And I have a son who is caring, artistic, and masculine so what just happened there? They don't. We don't always fit into these exact mm-hmm. categories of what it's supposed to look like. And in fact, when you look at the Bible, there's never a single instance where a man identifies as a woman and vice versa. But you do see plenty of examples where gender stereotypes are broken. Mm-hmm. For example, Deborah in the book of Judges, she is a strong female leader over the nation of Israel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've got David as a warrior who played the harp and cried all the time. Yeah, real <laughs> You've poetry. got the Proverbs 31 woman. Look it up. Like that girl's no joke. Yeah. Like she is a leader. She is an entrepreneur. And so you have these sort of breaking out and shattering these boxes that mm-hmm. we put male and female in and how you're allowed or supposed
0: to express that. And the, those boxes get created by us, by people, by culture, not necessarily by the Bible. And I think that's a really important distinction. The Bible doesn't have those specifics. There are some things the Bible says, but the Bible doesn't say, if you're artistic, then nope, nope, that's a feminine trait. That's so important, and it's hurt a lot of people in the past by being forced or felt wrong if they're not in those boxes that culture has put them in.
1: I'm really glad you pointed that out of this does hurt people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And people can look in the mirror and say, I don't fit in mm-hmm. the pressure that comes about. can be very damaging and very immense. So we, we have got to come back and hang tight to this conviction that the Lord gifts and uses men and women mm-hmm. in all their personality traits Amen. and all their interests. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you're a parent If you have a child who fits the social stereotypes of our day, great. Praise them for their wonderful qualities. And if you have a child who does not, great. Praise them for all their wonderful qualities. Mm -hmm. Parents, we need to reinforce that your son or daughter is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And this is so important because this becomes almost... The slippery slope slide that moves people into this transgender mm-hmm. mindset or 100%. the action that they take because frustration or pressure for not feeling like I, quote unquote, fit the, the social stereotype of my gender can be powerful. We call that gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is when a person feels uncomfortable or mismatched with their biological sex. That's what that term means. And so oftentimes people get to this place of gender dysphoria because of the frustration or pressure that they feel that they don't fit the social stereotype. But here's the thing. That feeling, gender dysphoria, should never be an invitation or an encouragement towards transgenderism. But unfortunately, this is what is happening today. So this brings us to, finally, I suppose, the transgender topic. Well, what is this? Well, when a person feels like their biological sex does not match their preferred gender gender identity, then they'll take steps to fix that. This person will often describe themselves as feeling trapped in a body that doesn't match who they really are. So the result is they might seek uh, hormone therapy and or gender reassignment surgery to bring their bodies into conformity with their perceived gender. So that's what we're talking about with
0: this. I I think one thing that I would add to it is there are a lot of people who would define themselves or say they identify as transgender who either have not or have no intention of pursuing surgery or anything that would in our eyes, make their body match what they feel like the gender they are as well.
1: That's a good distinction, and, and that's an important thing. Absolutely, in terms of the identity piece, is so important there. One of the things that with, and this is this is fairly sort of a new a new thing. I mean, in some ways it's not, but in other ways, in terms of how prolific this is becoming, is fairly new. But but the transgender community today is is extremely small. Um, it's 0.005 to 0.014% of boys, 0.002 to 0.03% of girls um, would would fall into this, this community. This is like one out of 100,000-ish kind of a thing. But this trend, again, is growing rapidly. And so what we're finding then is that research is playing catch-up on the impact oh, so. of transgenderism. But, but here's some early findings that, that we are noting, researchers are noting. The first one is that transgender people are often, they're, they're people that are hurting and they're people that are confused. Uh, to give you one example of this is that transgendered people who identify this way or have taken steps like therapy or, or surgery, um, these people have an extremely high suicide rate um, and, and what's even interesting with that is this is even after transitioning. Mm-hmm. In fact, what early research is showing is that when a person does this, there's sort of this honeymoon phase that can last a few years or up to 10 years. But then after that, what they're seeing is the wheels kind of fall off mm-hmm. and it becomes a very, very dark place that mm. these people um, are in.
0: And I think just listening to that, it it's easy for me to be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. but to not acknowledge the pain and the and the hurt that these people are going through and that experience to to get them to this point is I mean it makes it just intellectual, but realizing there's real people who have a lot of pain is is so important. That's yeah. fundamental in how we interact with these people. Really yes, all people.
1: Is. Yes it is another another finding that that is surfacing is that most uh youth or people that is in fact 60 to 90% who expressed uh, a degree of gender dysphoria when they were in their younger years like teen years or even earlier than that for that matter and were even leaning into the transitioning of their gender but never took steps for that that 60 to 90% of those people do when they move into adulthood grow out of that mhm that, that dysphoria sort of dissipates yeah not always, but overwhelmingly, that it does.
0: It is very much a age-specific thing. I mean, it seems to, in my experience with it, um, interacting with social media and whatnot is where I I try and keep abreast of the world. And it is something that those teenage and young adult years when we're so trying to figure out who we are, and that's that's been true for quite some time, is, okay, who am I? What am I really? Okay, if I separate myself from my parents... What is my identity is when these thoughts of transgenderism and pursuing these different identities happens, and then, like we all do, is we get to a point where we realize no, that's not who I am, but sometimes damage has already been done, or we've we've done things that we we regret, and that's
1: you know Jake you work with. Uh, teenagers Mm -hmm. all the time what are what are you seeing with them and have you had these types of conversations with kids
0: um i've had some it's interesting in that you you talked about this trend and it's weird that in some ways it, it does become kind of this trendy thing to declare yourself somewhere on this spectrum they would say of oh well i'm not just a girl i'm somewhere in between or i'm um and that's that's been um, the most interesting part is it's it's become trendy and it's such a a huge thing to play with your your entire identity to to allow it to be swayed by pop culture and by what your friends are doing it's hard to reinforce god's truth in that but that's how we all are is we're we're social beings but know much more than we're so much more when we're in middle school and high school is it all matters what our friends think. And so it's so easy to be swayed by friends who are experiencing those issues. And it takes one person who is perhaps having a very legitimate struggle with their gender identity, but then it becomes, well, if she's struggling, then I'm struggling and we're all going to go about and present ourselves as these other identities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, well said. You know, another thing too, I think with early findings is that we are learning that there are many, many reasons that people experience gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just one. It's It could be psychological, genetic, hormonal, social, and the list goes on. And uh, that, that lends to helping this to be a bit of a complex topic of how people get to where they are and the mindset that they're holding on this. Mm-hmm well as we as we begin to to wrap up let's let's conclude with how how, how do we respond uh, what, what do we do with this
0: mm-hmm.
1: and in one respect, the answer isn't any different on this topic as it is to to many topics that we take on this yeah. show We are called to love people all people with different worldviews and different mindsets and different places of struggle it doesn't matter. More specific to this topic, even their understanding of sexuality and gender, the way to respond, the calling to live and minister like Jesus did, is that we respond in love. Remember, we're called to love people and demolish bad ideas, mm-hmm. not the other way around. Yeah. Sometimes we get that backwards, admittedly, but love people and demolish bad ideas. And I would even add, too, that as... Opportunity for building relationship with people and engaging, uh, lovingly, witting, uh, winsomely, and kindly, but also with conviction and thoughtfulness on this kind of topic as well as any other. It can become an entry point to share the gospel
0: with people. Sometimes, sometimes very early on, in that we can we can sometimes spend relationships, and we have every intention of sharing the gospel, but when you're forced to deal with such heavy, big things. So early on in a relationship, it kind of, kind of accelerate that. And it forces us to have real conversations earlier on. I think one thing I was going to talk about just while you were explaining that is we're called to love people. And sometimes my fear with conversations like this is that we, we paint with a broad brush and okay, This person identifies as transgender, so this is what they think. And um, even in our um, Other Religions podcast and Tom's podcast, the same thing can happen. And and it is so important to realize that different people are different and learn about their story, talk to them, and and have conversation. is such a fantastic starting point with genuine curiosity and genuine care. And that's something that a lot of people don't experience especially people who identify as transgender, they're, they're hurting people who want to be loved, like, like we all do.
1: That's, that's fantastic, yeah, absolutely. And, and as we do that, as we're in relationship and loving them and extending the conversation with them, as you're able to build trust, it gives you the opportunity then to begin to point out gently but firmly lies that maybe these people who are struggling with this, that they're believing. No matter where it comes from, that they've picked up things along the way, whether it's social media or education, pop culture, these, these places that are create immense pressure on us as people, and including especially uh, teenagers. Uh, to point these out can be very helpful. For, for example, the lie uh, of this, that sex reassignment surgery or, or therapy is freeing. Mm-hmm. Well, the research actually says otherwise that it doesn't point in that direction. That is the, the the freedom that person is looking for or thinking they're going to experience by taking this step. It just isn't there. As soon as a person transitions, they begin to adopt, of course, the gender expression of their new gender to escape their biology. But then what they find and what research is showing is they feel tension on both sides of the equation now, mm-hmm. because here's the point. You can't escape The biology of your birth, it's just in there. You can't just sort of poof and make it go away Mm -hmm. or think it's not there. The struggle is real.
0: Can I read a quote? Um, This is a book I read, very short read. Um, It's called Transgender, Christian Compassion, Convictions, and Wisdom for Today. It talks about true freedom according to scripture is not found in asserting our radical independence and trying to be who we're not made to be. True freedom is found in embracing and being who we are. A fish that decides to make a bid for freedom by jumping out of the water will not be free because it's created to live in the environment of water. As soon as we try and become what we are not, far from enjoying freedom, we can't expect to flourish. That's what I see so often in these these stories from transgender content creators and whatnot is there was this expectation that, yes, if I do this, then things will be right, and it, it's not, because we're trying to find our identity from somewhere other than who God designed us to be. Absolutely. Which
1: connects really to another lie that people may embrace, this uh, this idea that if you feel uncomfortable in your body for one reason or another, or you feel like you don't match the cultural norm, norms around gender that... You should then change your gender. And we've already talked about this, but but this this lie that that's the only step that I sh- can take and I should take. Or, or this one, that my identity is my gender. It, you know, if a person is a follower of Christ, their identity is to be Christ. Mm-hmm. He's the one who frames our identity. He's the one who says who we are. I mean, gender confusion, dysphoria—it's it, real. But when we understand that following Jesus means dying to self, the renewing of our minds, the the no longer having to live the way we once did—that—that that, you know, being our true, being true to ourselves—you hear that expression all the time. Oh yeah, be true to yourself is always a false choice when it means going against God's word.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, and, I'd say be true to yourself is. Kind of the gospel of today this the world's d- twisted and incomplete gospel is be true to yourself and nothing matters as long as you're being authentic and true to yourself i mean you see that in people's instagram posts too brooklyn 99 is a tv show that i was just watching it the other day and one of the characters comes out as bisexual and one of the lines that's said is every time a person becomes more of themselves or reveals themselves to the world, the world becomes a more beautiful place. And that sounds like such a nice thing that how could we possibly disagree with that? But the reality is it's it's incomplete, it's unfulfilling ultimately just to reveal our authentic self that doesn't and especially when we're defining our own authentic self on a day to day basis. It sounds great but it has no real meaning.
1: And will always lead the person to be empty. Mm-hmm. If we try to find our identity in any identity other than Jesus, yeah. that identity comes up short.
0: I mean, we're we're building a house on shifting sands. That's right. Instead of so whether rock. it's
1: our gender or our job or mm-hmm. our accomplishments or our bank account, right? It's an endless list of things that we can identify yeah. uh, who we are in our <laughs> We identity. did
0: just shift there from gender identities to uh, some uh, perhaps identity issues that some of us might struggle with. There you go.
1: There you go. <laughs> But I hope though that you know as we talk about loving people and exposing the lies that are there and frankly we all buy lies we all believe things that aren't true and part of that sanctifying process of renewing our minds is to align it with scripture and who God says we are we're all in process here but I hope more than anything though that no matter what the root of confusion of how a person gets to a place where they're struggling around their gender where they're taking steps towards transgenderism that there's hope, and that hope is found in Christ. Amen. And the the work of the Holy Spirit that He wants to do in and through us, that's the same with all of us. We're all we're all very similar in that pursuit, of course. And so there's hope for anyone, and there's hope for everyone. And that's an important message, I think, to close this this podcast with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that this what we've talked about today, and Pastor Jake, thank you for all the. Uh, you've added to this episode has been really good to to talk with you about this. Uh, but we both know it only scratches the surface. We're learning more all the time, and and this topic's not going away. No, it is only going to increase. But I but I hope you did find it to be an equipping time for those of you listening uh, for this timely uh, topic. And um, again, I want to encourage you that you are welcome and encouraged to interact with me or any other uh, New Hope Church uh, pastors on this topic. Uh, You can email me again at ryan at newhopeadel.org. And uh, again, I want to thank you for listening, for taking your time to be a part of this. Pastor Jake, thank you.
0: Absolutely. It's
1: fun to do it together here. You're
0: welcome to reach out to me too. Um, My email is jake at newhopeadel.org. And I know there's some issues that we didn't necessarily touch on. We didn't get on real specifics. And I think, Pastor Ryan, I hope you agree with me here, is some of those issues maybe are better to have in the conversation one on one rather than us throwing out some some nice platitudes here on a or some statements that we can't fully back up on a podcast but rather have a real conversation face to face so if that's where you'd like to be then reach out to us we'd love to talk
1: we absolutely would we absolutely would and and again hopefully some of this starts the conversation to use your term there, Mm -hmm. uh, with one another, or maybe in your own household Mm -hmm. and, uh, and even with the people in your life that, you know, and love. All right. Well, thank you again. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of what do I say?